Welcome to episode seven of the Emergency Goalies, a Black Ox podcast. Uh, my normal co-host, Michael Ernst, had a Thanksgiving plans, so uh, I called in a temporary fill-in host for this week, uh, William Chase. Say hi, William. Hey, what's up? Yeah, all right. Uh, he is a first a Columbus Blue Jackets fan, but he also likes the Blackhawks and follows them pretty closely. So I thought he'd be a good uh, pinch hitting guest today. So I guess we will get underway with our normal recap. Um, Blackhawks played three games this week. Uh, they started out last uh, Wednesday against the St. Louis Blues. Uh, not much happened in this game. One goal was scored. Uh, for the Blackhawks. Uh, basically, it was a power play, and it was kicked into the net by uh, Jay Bowmeister of the Blues. And the Blackhawks were able to hold on for the whole rest of the game and won one nothing. Then on Friday, another uh, hard-fought game, two teams that used to be pretty good and now are not so good, uh, the Blackhawks and the Kings. Um, it was pretty even went to overtime uh, overtime wasn't enough so it went to a shootout and the Kings were able to pull out the win in the shootout but the Blackhawks did get a point and then on Sunday the Blackhawks played the Minnesota Wild uh, went up to a 2 nothing lead uh, I believe um, trying to remember who had the goals in that I think Taves had one. Um, oh, Saad had the other one. A uh, nice goal. Um, and the Blackhawks were able to hold on for a, a 2-1 win over the Wild, which was pretty surprising, I must say, because the Wild had been significantly better than the Blackhawks this season, and the Blackhawks were able to get a win. So they got five out of the six possible points. Um when I was talking to Michael about this, we were saying they basically had to beat the Blues and the Kings. They have any real playoff hopes going forward and then maybe sneak a point out of the wild. So, of course, they only get three out of four points against the Blues and Kings and beat the wild. So they still got the five out of six points. But um, I'll kick it to you now, uh, Will. And what did you think of the Blackhawks last week? Yeah, I mean, I was catching some of that game against the Blues and yeah, I mean, that's always been a fun rivalry, especially in recent years when both teams have been kind of at the top of their game. So even with the Hawks struggling, even with the Blues struggling a little bit this season, um, maybe not the same level of excitement, but still a fun game. Um, I was kind of surprised to see the Hawks win only by a score of one nothing, in the sense that, you know, I mean, Corey Crawford's been pretty good since coming back for the Blackhawks. Maybe they're one of their better, I guess, additions, so to speak. Um, and, of course, the Blues, it seems like Jake Allen's hit or miss in that. So, yeah, I was kind of surprised that it was just a one nothing final score. But, uh, yeah, and then, of course, like you said, with the Kings, um, the 2-1 shootout loss, uh, I mean, that could have kind of gone either way as far as um, – being at home, the Kings have been struggling this season. Um, and I, I actually went back and watched the whole overtime on Saturday. And uh, I, I saw a lot of Blackhawks fans on social media and Twitter who were 
pretty much displeased with the Blackhawks in overtime to kind of how they went about that three-on-three session and, of course, came up empty on the shootout. And then, yeah, with Minnesota, um, the Wild have been pretty impressive. Um, I was actually just looking at the standings, and they are, you know, right there within the Central Division. They've really been on a roll. Um, so to, to actually beat the, the Wild is something that you wouldn't exactly expect maybe – you know, the way it's been going lately for the Hawks. So yeah, pretty impressive last three days or last three games rather. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's still early in the, uh, in the post Quinville era, but uh, a little bit of a role. They look like they, they might be getting on. Yeah. And that was, it was good to see. I mean, cause it was looking pretty grim with the eight game losing streak and like, the playoff chances were really starting to slip away after a decent start to the season for the Blackhawks. So it was pretty good to see them kind of rally back like that and at least uh, stay alive in the, uh, in the race. Um, that's yeah. It was funny. The one, nothing blues Blackhawks. Cause let's be honest, the blues and Blackhawks defenses, not good. Right. Really bad. And for that to only be one, nothing was kind of shocking. Yeah, I, I know, right? I mean, aside from, you know, when Crawford is on, he's on. When Allen is go- when he's going good, I mean, in that sense, it's maybe not too surprising. But, yeah, the defenses haven't been great for either team. So, yeah, one nothing was not the score I was expecting. Yeah, and I guess we should mention that since Quimbo is fired. But there have been uh, quite a few coaching moves, actually, across the league. I mean, obviously, the Blues coach was fired. Um, and then um, – I'm trying to think what oh no, Ken Hitchcock is back yeah, the Tom, rings. Yeah, um so um I thought it was funny with the Mikey Owl and uh, St. Louis situation. I have a blues friend who has been preaching for the dismissal of Yell since or Yo, is it Yo? I think yo. it's Yo, I'm not sure. Yeah, it is Yo. Um he's been preaching for the dismissal of Yo um pretty much all season and I was kind of like, Well, maybe, but you know, he's not the one trying to stop pucks in the net talking about Jake Allen. Um, but uh, the Mike Yo firing did not seem, or it, 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 it seems pretty inevitable at some point, even though he's only been there for literally like a year. I remember he came into St. Louis to succeed Hitchcock and then Hitchcock got fired last year. Yo takes over or yeah. And then, or actually maybe that was two years ago and then Hitchcock was in Dallas, but anyway, yeah. And then an Oilers friend at work told me that they fired uh McClelland and Hitchcock took over and I'm just like, what? Hitchcock again? So, um, yeah, it's been weird with the firing so far. I don't think there was a single firing in season last year. And we've already had at least one, four. Yeah. It was kind of one of those things where I think the NHL was so weird to not have a coach firing last year that they were like, you know what? Let's go wild this year. And even with LA. Yeah. And even with the uh, Kings, they beat the blue jackets and then they fire, um, John, uh, what's his name? John Richard. Okay. What's the name? I didn't anyway. even have time to learn his name before they got rid of him. Yeah, but um, Kings fired the coach. and John, I'm trying to think of his name. I want to say John Stevenson. Anyway, fired the coach right after they beat the Blue Jackets, and then it was just like, okay, you're gone. Yeah, and um, now obviously the, the speculation is already running just wild about uh, Quenville going to the Blues. I mean, he was their coach in the past, and the 
late nineties, I want to say he was their coach. But yeah. do you think do you think that the Quenville to the Blues rumors are actually going to happen? Or I mean, I thought it made the most sense right when the firing happened. I thought that would make a lot of sense if he went back to St. Louis. I mean, I guess it's two schools of thought. Um, it's kind of like okay. First of all, like a lot of people were wondering if Quinville's time in Chicago was right. And, um, and I mean, I get if you're comparing based on today's NHL maybe versus how things maybe used to be even just a couple of years ago. I think that from Chicago's standpoint, maybe a change was warranted, but I also think Quinville was so accomplished. He did so much for Chicago that you can definitely make the case that he should not have been the one to be let go, especially when you consider some of the moves that were made by the management and even the moves that Quinville was not on board with and he ends up being the fall guy. I think that with the right system, right players, right situation, Quinville can succeed anywhere. And yeah, I think St. Louis, they had high aspirations to be in the playoffs this season. They made a lot of changes after last year, missing the playoffs. I mean, they're probably a Quinville or, you know, a coach of that um, degree of success away from being where they want to be. So I could definitely see it. I thought it made the most sense when he was like going Chicago. Um, I think though that he might wait till the off season to go where he wants to go. They have already made Craig Berube their, their uh, uh, interim head coach. So I'm not sure that they would go to Quinville so soon. And I'm sure they've already talked to him or at least reached out to him. So I, I, I heard that he might wait till the off season to do what he's going to do. So it makes it would make sense though. Yeah, and of course, uh, Quenville this week was uh, spotted at the Bears game, tailgating and uh, taking shots with people. So yeah, I like think he's doing his off time. Yeah, I think he's having a party. I mean, why not? You know, he's won the cup three times. He's going to go to the Hall of Fame. He doesn't have to rush into his decision. He can just kind of <laughs> chill out, have some fun. Um, yeah, he seems to be you know living it up in Chicago still. So. Yeah, well, I guess we'll kick it back to the Blackhawks and the Ice. And I, I've been impressed that the defense, at least, these last three games has looked a, a little better. At least they're not giving up as many goals. Now, I don't know if it's Crawford or maybe, you know, Jeremy Colleton is putting an emphasis on defense. I don't know. But I have been more encouraged by the um, defensive weight. Yeah, especially, like... In the last few games, I mean, I remember I was watching the uh, game against Philly when they lost 4 nothing, um, and it looked just pretty dreadful then. Um, yeah, I mean, the last few games that we mentioned, you know, when winning 3-1, to one, losing 2-1, to one, winning one nothing. I mean, it's almost night and day. It's only been three games. And even that Carolina game, we didn't mention it, but the one they lost 3-2 in overtime on the 12th. Um, you know, I mean, it's... They put together a nice little, nice little run, but um, yeah, definitely better than where it was beginning of the month when they were losing four nothing and five three. Yeah, and, to, uh, Edmonton know, and Calgary. Yeah, exactly. And you know, one thing that they have made a change is uh, they recalled uh, Gustav Forsling from um, the AHL, who had been hurt for most of the, pretty much the whole off season, and he had struggled last year when he was brought up, but he looks much better and. I'm wondering if it stabilizes the defense. Maybe that, or of course, not playing Brandon Manning as much. But I do. Gustav Forsling has helped a little bit. Yeah, um, and yeah, Brandon Manning is not. I mean, they brought him in for what, like a two-year deal in the off season. Yeah, two-year, five million. So a two point yeah. five a, a year. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, he has not played, um, I guess, quite to what they were expecting or obviously what fans were hoping for. But, um, yeah, Forsling, um, he's had a nice uh, few games with points recently, a couple of assists, um, three games so far this year. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the defense, if he can, you know, last year he played 41 games, 38th year before. But, I mean, he looks like he's, I mean, you probably know a little bit more about him than I do. But, he looks, at least in the small sample size in the, in the NHL, he looks like he's, would you consider him an offensive defenseman or more of a true defenseman with offensive tendencies? Uh, no, he, he he's pretty good at moving the puck. So yeah, it looks like it. Leans a little bit more offensive. Yeah, it definitely looks that way, set points-wise, at least in the small sample so far in the NHL. So, yeah, if he can... Uh, if he can play, you know, do what he needs to on defense but can contribute offensively, it's certainly going to help. Yeah, and of course, another thing that um, I've been a pet peeve in, like, uh, my normal co-host Michael always talks about is the Blackhawks' power play still struggling. What did a little bit better, but uh, Patrick Kane, is he just holds the puck and will never shoot on the power play. <laughs> He's been playing two minutes, like the entire two minutes since the um, Colleton has taken over on the power plays. And, yeah, it's just you want him to shoot a little bit. He did shoot a couple times during these recent power plays, but it's like the, the defense just lays off him because they know he's not going to shoot and it gets to be kind of annoying. That's actually really interesting to hear just because I mean, you know, when I think of Kane, I think of someone who's moving the puck and scoring and doing whatever he wants to with it. And it's kind of surprising to hear that on the power play, he only has one power play goal. <laughs> um, and he has seven total power play points, but obviously most of those would come with the assists. but that's actually really surprising to hear that he doesn't shoot the, or yeah, it's surprising that he doesn't shoot the puck much on the power play. Um, and talking about just power play in general, obviously coming with the from the Columbus standpoint, I know what a bad power play looks like. So Blackhawks are, I guess you said they've been they've been a little bit better. And same with the Jackets as far as improving in the last string of, string of games where they where they actually had uh, multiple games in a row with a power play goal, but. Um, yeah, it's, that's actually really weird, though, that Kane... Do you know why Kane doesn't shoot the puck much on the power play? Yeah, they're, they're trying for the the perfect play. They try to do that cross, like, okay. clean pass from one side to the other. and They try to get the perfect pass, and it just gets broken up way too much. Yeah, and I understand that, because, like, again, like, I... It's so easy to look at it and be like, just shoot the puck, just get in front, screen, do whatever you got to do, throw the puck at the net, and... I guess it's probably one of those things where it's so easy for us to say, what's, why is this power play so bad? There's so much talent. You got the best scores, you know, in the NHL on that one unit. Why are they having so much trouble? And I guess maybe it is as simple as just trying to get the open or playing for the perfect play. And, you know, it's just like, sometimes it's just like throw the puck at the net, just screen, get in front of the goalie. And yeah, I mean, it's, it seems that easy, but I guess it's probably not as easy as it looks. Well, yeah, then you go, like, shoot it. Like, the other day they were playing, I think it was against the, the Kings, and I'm like, shoot the puck, and, of course, then he turns and fires, he goes off the guy's shit and bounces the other down the ice. Right. I'm like, oh, I guess maybe that's got to get it through, too. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously one way is to just throw the puck at the net and hope you can deflect and screen the goalie, but, yeah, I mean, obviously you got to have an open lane somewhere. <laughs> And I'm sure you probably have similar frustrations with Kane as with like um, Artemi uh, Arte, Panarin. 
who's a similar type of player. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it's. I was reading something recently on the Blue Jackets power play and why it was struggling so bad. Um, and you know, uh, it was like an article in which other um, executives and coaches from around the league were saying how you know the power play half the problem would be when they were trying to set up from the you know down ice coming up the coming up the ice uh, into the other zone. It was like you know they're trying to you know instead of just coming. In a, in, a, in a rush, they're dropping the dropping the puck back and trying to make a play and set up, and it seemed like that was taking at least half a minute or a full minute of the power play off the clock, and it was just like not only could they not set up in the zone, they couldn't even get the puck into the zone. Um, but in recent games since then, they've done better. Um, they actually had a statistical anomaly really the other night against Toronto, where neither the Blue Jackets or the Leafs had a single penalty on them, so. It was the first game the Blue Jackets have been a part of in which neither team had a penalty, so not even an opportunity there. And then against Carolina, they only had, I think, one power play the whole game, which they did score on. But, um, yeah, um, Panarin, uh, he has actually – he hasn't quite been Panarin yet this season. Um, I mean, he's still – I'm looking up his numbers now, actually. Panarin um, still has, you know – the amount of points that you would expect, 22 points, only five goals. He actually got off to a slow start last year with goals and came on. So, and on the power play, no goals, four assists. So, um, yeah, I mean, you would think Panera would be that playmaker anytime on the ice, especially on the power play. Maybe it's the same thing, as you mentioned with Kane, but um, he'll get it going. Well, actually, it's funny that I mentioned Panera because, you know, um, um, Saad, Brandon Saad is starting to play like he got I don't know if you followed very closely but he was scratched yeah. about eight games ago and ever since he's been playing a lot better actually using his body to get to the net he had a very nice yeah. goal against the um, the um, Wild the other day so it was good to see yeah I mean Saad you know Saad uh, obviously had his struggles last year I don't know I, whether it was just coming back to a I mean, you would think a familiar system. Maybe it was just, you know, new, even in the brief time he was away, two seasons. Um, you know, maybe it was just getting used to coaching the players, whatever it was. I don't know. But, um, of course, the Hawks as a whole unit were just off last year anyway. But, um, yeah, Saad's looking a little bit better. I saw recently that him, uh, Taze, and uh, Kane are on the same line now. So, you know, of course, maybe that's helping him. But, um, yeah, um, so I, kind of familiar with uh, in Columbus with Tortorella. He'll bench, you know, an Atkinson or he'll bench anybody. Any, whoever may not be doing what they're supposed to be doing, even if, like, Anthony Duclair, for instance, as you know him from Chicago, Duclair was uh, – he's one of the top scorers for Columbus. Um, but they were talking about scratching him if he didn't play, you know, the way he plays off the puck or – away from the puck didn't improve he may not play so it's kind of like okay he's scoring goals in the power play but if he's not playing you know both sides of the puck but they want him to he might not play so kind of familiar i guess coaching strategy as far as scratches and trying to uh light the guy you know light their fire yeah and i'm curious to see what uh colleton will be like doing that because you know obviously when Saad was scratched it was a quenbo was still coaching so I'm right. curious, like, he will be, but Quenville was known to scratch people, but 
it is good to see Saad um, playing a little better. I mean, he was he did not look good to start the season. So, yeah, I mean, I think I think it was inevitable. I mean, he's still only twenty six, and he's already won the cup twice, and he's had some really productive seasons. So, whether it was motivational, whether it was he's just not playing to the, the level that he's shown, whatever it is, I mean it seemed inevitable that he would eventually get that going again. And maybe now he finally is. Yeah. It was, it was good to see. So, um, I'm trying, there's a couple other observations I've made about the, uh, team in the last week, but, um, I do like that, um, that their, their defense is better. That's what I was saying. And the penalty kills gotten a little better, but I wonder how much of it, like a lot of it is probably due to Crawford and Crawford when he first came back, was playing very well, and then he went through a slump. Now, it could have been the defense was, you know, kind of contributing to that, like leaving him out to dry because they were. But if Crawford can play as good as he's played the past couple days, it'll be a, it'll, it'll be a good sign for the rest of the year because if they don't have a healthy, a healthy productive Crawford, they're not going to be very good down the stretch. Yeah, I mean, Crawford, obviously, last year, you know, going with uh, – or being forced, I should, I should say, to go with, you know, Forsberg, um, you know, he couldn't even make the backup job in Columbus, and they expected him to not only be the backup, but to actually be able to start and carry the team. That was a tall order for him and for the team, trying to overcome what Crawford has brought to the team for so long. And I mean, I think in a, in a roundabout way, um, seeing the Blackhawks without Crawford last season and for the team to fall as mightily as they did, it's kind of like, you know, so many fans, maybe, maybe, uh, non Blackhawks fans were the ones that would say this obviously, but they were the ones that would say, Oh, Crawford's not a lead. He's good, but he's not, you know, he's not a lead or he's not great. And it's like, well, maybe he's been prop or maybe he's been boosted by a, a great defense in the past or a great scoring, but you saw how bad the team was last year. If, I, I think that if Crawford was in the net last year, the Hawks were at least a playoff team, maybe, you know, bubble team, but at the very least, they're not as bad as they were last year. And uh, yeah, I mean, without him now, it's kind of like he's a healthy Crawford goes a long way. So speaking of that, what are your uh, thoughts on your guys' goalie, Sergei Borowski? Well, um, so I write for the Canon, uh, which is the Blue Jacket Espionation page. And uh, just a few weeks ago, actually, um, you know, Bobrovsky came into this season with um, an unrestricted potential, the potential to be an unrestricted free agent following the season. So um, I've already been on the record as saying that they should not give him, you know, $10 million a year or basically carry price type money for a guy who's 30 um, he's statistically one of the best goalies in the NHL during the, during the regular season. But, you know, we saw how Montreal, you know, ever since they gave Kerry Price the deal that he got, um, and I mean, it's not all on him, but I mean, it's just, it's hard to give a guy who's already 30 so much money or want to be 30, um, you know, the kind of money that they want, you know, you never know how they're going to age, how the injuries are going to go. So, um, I was looking to see how Jonas Corposalo, the backup, could play with more regular playing time. Last season, um, you know, Bobrovsky started, I think, 65 games, which is the most in his career. He played his most minutes in his career. 
And once again, by the playoffs, even though he played a little bit better, um, I just think he was probably more tired as usual than usual or as tired as he had been in the past. And Corpus Allo only made a handful of starts. And I thought they need to give the backups more playing time. Bobrovsky needs more rest. Um, so when Bobrovsky started the season out struggling, and I mean, he gave up about 26 goals in six games. Um, Corpus Allo was getting a, a few more starts. And, you know, they were, they were, um, going with Bob, you know, instead of going on with Bobrovsky on back to back, they were giving Corpus Allo one of those games. They actually went with Corpus Allo, I think two or three games in a row because they were, uh, they're five Oh and two when he plays, even though he gives up three or four goals a game. So, but right now Bobrovsky has found his groove, um, going into last night, he had like four straight wins and only given up a goal in each of those wins. So he's found his game again and he's the guy, but, I don't think he's the guy in the future. I mean, I don't think they're going to resign him unless he actually lowers his potential asking price. But um, at least right now, Bobrovsky's the guy, but they do need to get the backup more playing time. Yeah, just prepare for the future, so to speak. And Yeah. Although you gotta, you're, you're hoping, right, that he makes the contract drive, and even if the Blue Jackets don't resign him, at least he's going to – give his absolute best effort to get that big contract. That's right. I, yeah. And I mean, I think some people at the beginning of the year when he was struggling and I mean, I, I cited the reasons, I mean, potential reasons, whether it was, you know, I mean, he even said it, it's hard, you know, as a human, you know, it's just, you don't know where you're going to be in a year, in a year. So I could see how that could play an effect on it. Um, just the not knowing, uh, you know, you're kind of being pushed by the younger guy in front of you or behind you. So, I mean, there was probably a few things on his plate, um, but he's a two-time Vezina winner. He was going to find his game eventually, and he did, or he has. Um, but, yeah, I mean, some people were thinking, oh, he's so um, ready to be done with Columbus that he doesn't even care. And I said, well, don't go that far. I mean, he's at least playing for his next contract either way. He doesn't want to just throw the season away. So, yeah, I think he's – He's probably motivated by his next contract for sure, but um, I think he, you know, the team is good. They have good players. They have a good group. If they can get to the playoffs, who knows what could happen. But, uh, yeah, at least for right now, he's definitely one of the top goalies in the NHL again. Yeah, that's that's good for your your team anyway. It's not good for the rest of the East, but it's good for the Blue Jackets. We'll see, though. It's, it's, yeah. Until they actually can make it out of the first round, it's hard to know what this team's really going to do. But at least from the potential and what they're capable of, yeah, I mean, sky's the limit. All right. Well, I guess I will uh, move on now to the little preview of the next week's games. There's going to be four games this week because uh, there's one on Tuesday. Sometimes we record on Tuesday. We're recording this on a Tuesday, but... There's going to be a game on Tuesday, so we won't record till Wednesday. But uh, tomorrow, the Blackhawks head out on a three-game road trip. Uh, their first game is at the Washington Capitals at 6 p.m. Central Time. Then on Friday, they head to Tampa Bay to face the Mighty Lightning at 6.30 p.m. Central Time. Uh, then the next day, a little bit easier game at the Florida Panthers at 6 p.m. Central Time. And then uh, Tuesday, they face the defending Western Conference champions, the Vegas Golden Knights in Chicago 
at um, 7 p.m. Central Time. So I guess it's good I have you on here today because those are three East teams that the uh, Blackhawks are playing. And obviously the Capitals, the champs, and the Lightning, we would say the best team, one of the best teams in the league, if not the best team in the league. Um, what do you think of those games coming up since you're a little more of an Eastern Conference guy? Maybe you can give me a little scouting report on some of those games. Yeah, the Capitals are kind of in, uh, interesting to me anyway, just because I live here in Virginia. So Capitals are kind of the quote-unquote home team. I see a lot of them, um, or I have seen a lot of them. So, yeah, I mean, the Cap-Cocks games are always pretty exciting just because of so much star power on either side. Even if the Hawks are kind of down or even if the Capitals are kind of uh, maybe going through their Stanley Cup hangover a little bit, um, it's still, you know, Ovechkin, Backstrom. Well, actually, Backstrom is out right now with an injury, but or, uh, I have to look that up now. I thought for some reason I thought Backstrom was out. I'm getting mixed up with. Uh, I was thinking of Matthews from last night. For some reason I was thinking about Backstrom. But anyway, no, Ovechkin, Backstrom. I think Oshie actually had gotten hurt, but I'm not sure if he's still if he's playing or if he's out still. But uh, anyway, um, yeah, and then of course the Hawks with Hayes and. And uh, Kane, I mean, a lot of star power on either side. It's, it'll be a good test for the Blackhawks because the Capitals haven't really got – I mean, they haven't been bad. They're coming off a win over Montreal last night. But uh, the Caps have been kind of iffy. Blue Jackets actually just played them a couple weeks ago or about a week ago. Um, and they were able to, uh, to beat the Caps 2-1. But uh, Capitals, they um, they have one of the top power plays in the NHL. I think they're second right now behind the Jets. Um, so between the Caps and the Hawks, that'll be pretty. Uh, it should be pretty entertaining. It's a good test for the Hawks though, because maybe they can bite the Caps while they're still trying to figure out their game a little bit. Tampa Bay, as you mentioned, top team or one of the top teams in the, in the NHL and especially in the East. Um, yeah, as far as Tampa Bay, I mean, when the Blue Jackets played Tampa, it was only three or four games into the season, and Tampa Bay was coming off a pretty bad loss to Vancouver. And would you know it, Tampa Bay put up eight on the Jackets and had a field day. I think they had like four or five power play goals, so it was pretty ugly. Um, but Tampa Bay is, go- is without Bashilevsky now for, I think, six to eight weeks because of, I want to say, an ankle injury. So, um, they won't have their starter in net, but, um, Tampa Bay is still very capable. Um, yeah, yeah. I was, was going to add too is, uh, Blackhawk fans know because earlier this year they played Tampa and, um, they had, uh, I want to say, I don't want to say legendary, but a very impressive second period against the Blackhawks at the United center where I remember that. Yeah. 33 shots in a period for the lightning. It was ugly. Catastrophic. And to add on to that, that might be enough. Uh, uh, I was going to say motivation though. They're going to want to win anyway, regardless and bring their best effort, but I'm sure that'll stick a little bit in their, you know what, you know, they're going to remember that and want to make them pay, even if it is on uh visitors or, you know, on campus whole nice. But uh, yeah, they're going to definitely want a little bit of revenge on that one. And, uh, the Florida Panthers, um, Trocek, uh, I believe last night, I think he broke his ankle in a weird play against the boards. Um, so he's going to be out for quite a while, but, uh, 
The Panthers, um, again, Columbus just played them the other night. They put up, actually Florida scored the first two goals of the game, and then Columbus beat them 7-3, to three, just kind of exploded in the second period on. Um, but prior to that game, Luongo had just come back from injury. He was 4-0. Um, he was, you know, playing as well as, you know, anyone could. Um, and Columbus was able to light them up. But, um, yeah, Luongo's obviously capable in the net. They have a lot of good forwards, Barkov and um, Ekblad on D, and just a lot of uh, a lot of good talent. But we'll see. And I think Mike Hoffman actually has like a 16-game point streak. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to see um, yeah. how Florida, how Florida kind of uh, kind of goes here. They're, they're kind of struggling in the standings a little bit, but – Six and four in their last ten, so they're a capable offensive team. Yeah, they're playing a little bit better, and of course, uh, Vegas has been pretty awful. At least I'm looking at their stats, and they they don't even have twenty points, so it looks like they're really struggling. And but you know, it's still early. Yeah, I mean, I think Vegas is kind of getting off to the start we might have thought maybe last year for an expansion team. Um, it's it's I don't know I, whether it's just the fact that maybe it's, it's early they're coming off a deep playoff run maybe it's the fact that teams are already trying to figure them out a little bit more maybe it's some of that maybe it's none of that maybe it's just early but uh you know they they had a lot of breaks go their not to take away from what they did at all but they did have some things go their way they just were just you know how could you explain it um you know William Carlson putting up you know the numbers that he did and I think he's more on pace to have the typical amount of goals you would expect for him but they're coming off an ugly loss last night in Calgary but um Vegas still has a lot of uh you know firepower you know James Neal is gone of course but a lot of um you have flurry in that as long as you have flurry as long as you've got you know some of the guys that they do they're uh, a pretty capable team as well yeah well I guess that's a good thing to uh, end it on. We did our preview of everything, and I'm hoping the Blackhawks, I don't like to make predictions, but they have two easier teams at the end of this uh, four-game stretch. So you're hoping at least a split, but we'll see. Yeah, which teams were you talking about or referring to? Oh, the Panthers and the Vegas Golden Knights, or at least in the standings-wise, are not that yeah, at least potentially. Yeah, I mean, it's hard. To, yeah, it's hard to predict with teams like Florida. Um, they just have a lot of a lot of skill, and then with Vegas, it's kind of like, well, it's a home game, so maybe Chicago can, uh, you know, show up and uh, rise to the occasion against the defending Western Conference champs. Yeah, and of course, there's always a chance the Blackhawks go 0 4 because I don't know if they're good, so. I, I, yeah, I, I just feel like the Hawks, you know, at the best, might be a, a bubble team. They might be better than that. They might be significantly, significantly below that. We'll find out as the season plays out. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you for filling in for Michael. Yeah, it was fun. Let's do it again. Yeah, and he will be back next week. Uh, um, I wait, my Twitter handle is at sth85. Uh, what's yours, Will? Uh, it is at Will Chase underscore. Okay. And to everyone, you know, if you're listening to this on Thanksgiving or whatever, happy Thanksgiving to everyone. And um, thank you for listening. <laughs>